Hey, this is Barbara Corker, and you are now tuned in to Business Unusual. And everything you ever learned about business, throw it out the window. I'm going to tell you the real deal. Listen in. Today, I'm going to answer all your burning questions about work, life, starting a company, getting on track, and much, much more. Be sure to call in to the Business Unusual hotline with your question at 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Hey, hey, do you feel you have way too much on your plate? Well, today we're talking bad bosses, brainstorming new ideas, and when it's time to, boom, blow up your own small business. Listen in. Hi, Barbara. How are you? My name is Pat, and I am the owner of Patty Pops. It's a specialty cake pop bakery located in Westchester, New York. Um, I was a CPA at Ernst & Young before this, and I decided to leave and actually, um, you know, take the plunge, leave my career behind and explore a more creative path for myself. Um, and I do have a question. I'm actually struggling now because I'm trying to scale the business, scale production, but the problem is, is that my industry involves a lot of skilled labor. Um, it's not a typical traditional bakery, but it's more of an aesthetically pleasing product. It's hand-designed. And the business side of me definitely have plans, has plans to grow, but it is a little bit difficult maintaining the quality of the products um, while trying to grow this business. I was wondering if you had any advice on how to grow um, specialty businesses. Thank you. First of all, congratulations on starting Patty Pops. What a cool name. I love it. Thanks. Thanks. Is it easy to come up with that name because your name was Pat? Weren't you happy about that? It was actually easy. I started it back in high school for a project. Wow. Yeah, we How many years ago was that? Ooh, that was, now it was 10, 15, uh, 15 years ago. Yeah. Wow. I was um, in high school and we had to start a hypothetical business and uh, just for my economics course. And I Absolutely. said, oh, I'll make lollipops. And I said, patty pops, easy enough. Just like that. <laughs> yeah. It was actually super easy to come up with. It wasn't even, it wasn't even meant to be a business at the time, like a real business. Why I say congratulations, not just that it's a great name, but now that I know you've been in business a while, that's a victory. Uh, but the idea that you would be a CPA at Ernst & Young, which is an enviable position for so many people, it takes a lot of school, uh, a lot of years of school, a lot of dedication to reach that. Uh, it speaks very loudly that you would drop something as formidable as that and dedicate yourself to your pop business. It really does. So you are definitely committed to it. Definitely. And it was hard. It was a really hard decision. And it took me a few years. I was being pulled in different directions mentally for such a long time. Mm. And I knew it was one of those things that if I didn't try it, I would always regret it. And I said, of course, I said, you know what, accounting will be there. Mm. I said, but if I keep sitting at this desk, and I don't give it a shot, I will definitely regret it. So now I'm here and it's still going strong. And thankfully, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I made the decision that I did. Mm-hmm. When did you restart the business, Pat? 
So I restarted the business. So our two year anniversary was actually in December. Mm-hmm. So the business launched when I, I did leave my career three years ago. Um, for a year, I spent some time regaining my skills, refining my baking, um, kind of getting those old clients back. And mm-hmm. then I, in the meantime, I was also building the brick and mortar location and the uh, commercial kitchen. So I spent like a year kind of in limbo, definitely still, you know, getting everything back on a roll. And then I, we, the, the store's anniversary was two years ago. So about three years, I'd say. Building a commercial kitchen and a bakery is not inexpensive. Did you use your savings to do that? I actually did. I saved like a maniac. I was, I kind of knew, well, I did, I wasn't positive I was going to take the plunge, but I always said to myself, if you do decide to do it, it would be super awesome if you financially could. Mm. So I lived at home in the Bronx with my parents. I saved anything I could. Um, I lived at home during college. I always kind of had a feeling I was going to do it. So (laughs) that's why I was really good at saving just in case I did. Um, But yeah, it was, it took a lot of, it took a lot of discipline and I was able to save a lot especially during busy season where you don't really have much time to do anything else anyway your life is given away when you're an accountant yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yes Uh, with the money you put into the business two years ago to to build the kitchen and the bakery have you been able to recoup all of that money or some of it or are you still in the hole and your business center will take a number of years to come out of it so I I actually was able to recoup it in the first year amazing and I did yeah. open two years before COVID. So I opened December, uh, two months, sorry, three months before COVID. You're a rocket star. <laughs> I do really? work hard. I love working. I know. I could see you love working. It agrees with you. You look like a very happy individual. A great lesson on what to do in life and what not to miss in life. Good for you. My God. Thank you. Thank and you. And as you say, you could always go back to accounting. You have that <laughs> lovely bed laying there for you saying, come hither. <laughs> me, you know? Yeah, but you won't have to. Everyone's like, you're so adventurous. That's so crazy. I'm like, guys, at the end of the day, I'm an accountant. I sleep at night. I can always just, you know, go do some taxes. But I, I do I do think it was still, you know, kind of, a, of course, I took a risk at the same time. I was kind of climbing up the ranks and I was doing super well in the position. I had a great team, no regrets at all, but it was the baking that kind of just won in the end. <laughs> beckoned you beckoned you you said your biggest problem uh was that your business was dependent on hand designs can you tell me what you mean by that i want to just picture it in my mind yeah of course so right now the business is set up where we specialize in cake pops it's a specialty bakery does it have icing on the pop icing as well that's chocolate coating. So really in a nutshell, we make these big sheet cakes, different flavors, smash them up in a food processor, mix in some like homemade buttercream. Everything's made from scratch. We roll them into balls and then we dip them into a, a, mm. a chocolate coating. They taste delicious. Wow, I bet. So what we do after that is sometimes they're super simple sprinkles, but what we're really known for is these um, hand-designed features. So for example, say you called and you were like, oh, I'm going to bring some of my Shark Tank friends so print some cake pops we would go and make them into sharks and we could really wow, time intensive it's very time consuming so that's my issue so 
what I realized was as I started to hire people, I was like, well, this isn't going to work as well. I can't scale because I'm fast, but for someone to kind of come in and to work as fast as I can, that's going to take a few years, actually. Um, so what I've been trying to do was I've been trying to, you know, I'm sorry. And as far as your the, the hand design aspect, like we'll make unicorns, basketballs. I mean, it really, it really can go in any direction. What percentage um, of your whole business are those unique designs? Is it 50%, most of it 10%? So when we op- before I opened the retail shop, it was 100%. Now the retail shop has some really cool standard options. So you can kind of come in and pick like more flavor-based items, like different mm-hmm. coatings. So it's around 50% right now of retail. And then 50% uh, by retail, I mean like kind of like a signature product. And then 50% of specialty designs. How much do you upcharge for the specialty designs? Are they twice as much as your standards or just a little upcharge? Um, almost. So a classic pop is $3 and then a designed pop. It really depends on the intricacies, but something with a small decoration can go up to four. If it's really fancy, we'll make them look like geodes or something like, um, you know, a different shape. If it's not round, for example, something like that can really go up to like six. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say the, the designed pops kind of average out a little bit below five. Mm-hmm. Okay. So three classic versus around five specialty. The part of your business that you grew recently were this more standardized pops versus yeah. that. Could you continue to go in that direction and totally get rid of the design pops? Or do you think it's necessary for the imaging of your business to bring in the less expensive business? So that's been the interesting thing. I think if I'm going to grow, and of course I'd like to because I'm 30 years old, I didn't really take the plunge from my career to have a mom and pop shop. Um, I think if I really need to, if I'm really planning on growing, I kind of need to let go of that artistic aspect of the business, but not completely. So I am really trying to come up with a cool standard menu that Mm -hmm. can scale for example like I said before unicorns or something seasonal or something for Valentine's Day where people are still like oh wow it tastes and it looks great um I would like to try to keep the aesthetically pleasing aspect as much as I can but not compromise so much of our time and of course our expenses because of the labor issue I've, I've invested in a lot of food businesses and I've seen a lot of businesses I haven't invested in my, my fellow sharks have invested in as well. And my experience in seeing a vast number of them over 12 years is when the, the more specialty the food business is, the less capacity to grow and welcome a shark in as a partner because there's not enough fat in it. There's not enough speed in it and there's not enough growth in it. But on the standard issues, even if the standard issues could be unique in their own right, because everybody needs an angle on their business. If it's a standard issue business that's reliant on that, like 90% of it, those businesses seem to grow very fast because it eliminates the need for specialized help. Mm-hmm. Specialized product needs specialized talent. And specialized talent is time consuming, difficult to find those people. Uh, let me give you one example. I have a very successful business named Daisy Cake, and Daisy has two professional kitchens. She does very, very well. Uh, But her hardest challenge in all of her work is finding icers. I know that. She's always complaining she can't get people who know how to ice the cake. Uh Everything else she can multiply, multiply, but getting good icers. 
Um, I think you could take a, a page out of her book. I suggested she open an icing school, a cooking school for young girls in the high school, part-time work, mothers who only wanted part-time work. And they started coming and working part-time and learning how to ice. And it was kind of like a privilege, like the top tier knew how to ice and everybody else knew how to bake. You know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was able to, by having a, a food line of, or, or, or a feed line of individuals who really wanted to learn that craft uh, at her disposal. And she said only one in five people could actually do it, even though they really wanted to. She said it took a certain talent. Eventually, Daisy opted to eliminate that kind of specialty icing. Mm-hmm. Her business exploded. Wow. I think you're on the right track that you've moved your business from really extremely specialty items, even if you were, you're charging $3 for standard and the most $6 for that unicorn specialty or to make the sharks for me and my party. I don't think it's enough. I think when people want a real specialty, they don't ask how much almost. Maybe you would know better than I. In the New York area, if I want the sharks, I couldn't care if you said there were six or 10. I want those sharks Mm -hmm. for my party, you know? But Mm -hmm. I'm not even sure you should leave that. I like where you're going, thinking what could be made special about my standard product. You're smart enough to figure out what the key is to unlock the lock, right? But I think you should start thinking, how do I live without the specialty? I think it's going to slow you down, you know, it's just going to slow you down. Uh, Had you thought about that seriously? Like, or is it too scary a step? So it's almost been a crutch for me because it is, it is kind of like guaranteed work. And you know, the private parties in the tri-state area, people always want Uh something cool, but I do think it's the bottleneck. And I do think it's slowing me down from the consultations to the mm-hmm. heavy, the specialty materials, mm-hmm. um, you know, to the skilled labor. It's really adding up a lot more than I thought. Wow. So I think, I think you might be validating my, my kind of that thing knocking in the back of my head. That's telling me it's kind of time to not be as much of the artist and be more of the business person. Now you are a business person and <laughs> I'm telling you, you're bent and determined to make something really big. Thank you. You're going to, you're going to kill whatever's holding you up. I have no doubt about that. Oh, I appreciate that. If you were looking back at those specialty orders in the tri-state area that you fulfilled over the last two years, uh, I sometimes think it's great to back up for your business, to have a look from a scance. Are there commonalities between the specialties that people ask for that you could think of a design that would answer three of them versus one? Like if I wanted a shark uh, and somebody else wants a guppy and someone else wants a goldfish, that's a problem. They're three different. But could you just print out a fish so you cover all those three customers at one? I mean, right. Are there any common grounds? I think that can definitely be done. I think there's like sports. Mm-hmm. I think there's a few different things like common, I guess, party themes that people really um navigate towards mermaids for example that's mm. a big one so maybe if you know if there's a beach party maybe something with a shell and it will cover like ocean mermaid fishing absolutely i like where you're thinking now i like it very much yeah yeah so that's a great idea try to trying to kind of um navigate around. around a few different themes and identify those common grounds how do you find your talent for your business how do you find the employees even people who don't do specialty, just good employees to bake with you. So actually everyone who is with me right now has been trained by me with very little experience, just because I've realized that people who even have baking experience, 
be, making a cake pop is almost on its own. It's, it's a very specific process. And I have people who have worked at Whole Foods, who have worked in other bakeries, who have gone to culinary school. And when it comes to cake pops, they're like, it's like putting a baby on a treadmill. It's ah. just like, forget everything you knew, like in the, what you say in the beginning of your podcast, <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to make cake pops. Like it's completely, completely rare, the process. Mm -hmm. So um, the people that I have found have just been people who might have liked to bake from home, college students, people who have worked in the food industry, people from culinary school. But once they get to the shop, it's from zero. How do you find them though? How do you find those people? Everyone who works with me now, and now we're a team of seven, everyone who works with me, uh, I have found through a someone in my network. It's either people in the past who have told me that they like to bake and me taking notes in my phone, like likes to mm -hmm. bake because, you know, nowadays with labor, it's also been challenging. So anytime anyone even remotely mentions that they've baked something at home and they enjoyed it, I keep mental notes and mm -hmm. I'm just like, Hey, you want to work at my shop? So, yeah. um, yeah, so it's, but it's just been a mix of people's cousins and friends and old coworkers and everyone that I've kind of met in my path. Mm -hmm. Well, you've discovered half, half the secret to building a giant business recruiting. And obviously you have no issue doing it. And the way you're going about it is exactly right. When I built my company, it, wasn't, it was years before I hired anyone who was already in the trade. I hired people on attitude and enthusiasm and willing to learn. What a great thing when you're willing to learn. So I'm, I'm not worried about you building a massive company based on your ability to hire people. Where do you see your business like five years from now? How big is it going to be? How big, how big is it now? How many of these pops do you sell? And how many do you picture in five years? So now we are selling, it really depends based on the orders that we have coming in every month, but we sell, we sell about um, a thousand a week. There are some other products we have right now as well for the local community cakes and this and that, mm -hmm. but I do once again, see those as a small crutch. But yeah, so for now, it, I mean, Christmas week was crazy. A few thousand pieces. Um, but on average, you're doing a thousand a week. What do you think you're going to be doing even two years from now? You're shooting for 2,000, 10,000, 30,000? Oh, I would love to shoot for 10,000. Mm -hmm. I would have to um, streamline my process a little bit more. It is very labor intensive, hand rolled. Um, I would hope that I could maybe find some sort of machine. It's been a little bit of a challenge because cake pops are not as popular mm -hmm. of a dessert. So um, I'm hoping to maybe leverage off maybe like a meatball machine that's out there, but that's oh. something I definitely have to explore. You're so capable of building a huge business. I'm not wrong on that with people. So yeah. wealthy I can spot, right? And you have the gift of hiring the right people. So if you have how many people in your shop? Seven. Seven. So let's assume for you to hit 10,000 cakes a month versus a thousand you're doing now on average, you need to have, can you envision having 70 people? You wouldn't really need 70. You need less people, the bigger you get, probably 50 people. Um, I could easily envision you hiring 50 people. Uh, if you start thinking, I'm going to need 50 people if by two years from now, 50 people, all of a sudden, knowing where you're going with clarity, you pull those people in somehow. I don't know how that happens, but it does. You find that the meatball machine you thought was going to work doesn't work, but you found out that the pizza machine does. So you find the ways. Uh, but if I were you, the only thing I see in you and hear in you uh, that could hold you up, not the means of getting there is uh, your inarticulation of what your dream is. And I would suggest you go away for a weekend, 
with your key people because brainstorming is so much better than quiet thought on your own. And just brainstorming. What if we, how would we get there? What do we need? What would we need to do to social media, advertising? How can we get the people? Do I need a cooking school? Do I need, do we need a bigger kitchen? But by the act of writing it all down, let me tell you something. Every time I did that, and I did it constantly building my business. It came true. And wow. when I didn't, it didn't come true. You've got all the tools to make it huge, but I don't hear a vision of where you're going to be. Uh, so I would work on that. That's the only advice I could offer you. I wish I could help you more, but you got the whole shoot match. Oh, no. Any advice is appreciated. Thank you. Yeah, you're terrific. If you don't get big, I'm going to be really annoyed with you. Let's take a short break to talk about a company I love. Now let's get back to the show. Barbara, my name is Jennifer. I live in Silicon Valley and I run three businesses. I am at a point where I'm just struggling to see where I want to be at, how to pivot, and where my next step is in my journey. Um, I have a hard time where I feel like um, if I end something, I have either failed or given up, even though when I look at it, I know I have not. Um, I also know when you work too much, you get burnt out and also, you know, trying to find that balance of, um, doing what you love, but also still being able to take care of yourself and your family. So I'm pretty much looking for where, where do you start to assess what you want to change and how you want to pivot and how you go about analyzing and addressing those things. So the first thing I want to ask you, Jennifer, I wasn't clear. Are you doing, are you running three businesses now or you've run three businesses in the past? Currently am. Wow. That's a lot. And what are those businesses? Um, I co-own an insulation company with my fiance. I have a real estate and interior design firm. And I also have a luxury furniture line that um, is in process of getting launched and then I have, once that gets launched, I have a line of children's books that I'm working on putting out as well. Unbelievable. So. <laughs> are, you, are you one of a set of triplets that look alike and sound alike? I wish. <laughs> are you doing all this other stuff or it's all you? It's me. Okay. What I heard in your question was a lot of confusion. Uh, probably motivated by stress. A lot of rivers running at you once you don't know where to throw your raft and take a swim or something. You know, it's all. Foo, 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 foo. Um, I can't imagine running three businesses. Why three businesses at once? Um, so I started my interior design and real estate business a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to get back into having my own business and doing something that I loved. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the, am I, am I asking before that you were working for someone else before you started the for a little bit, um, yeah. I moved out to California. I packed up, had not, I had $200 to my name and came to California. Didn't know anybody, didn't know anything, didn't have a job. Um, and I restarted my health company out here that I used to own back in the Kansas city area. Um, and then I temporarily worked for a chiropractor when I decided I was getting ready to close my health company before mm-hmm. I transitioned into whatever my next level was. Let me stop you. Um, Why did you close the health company? Would you say the major? Um, I woke up one day and I was like, I have served those who I was meant to serve. 
mm. in this position. And was it for a period of years? Yes, seven years. Oh, that's a long time. That's a whole career, seven years alone. Yeah. yeah. So then you started working for the chiropractor as an interim spot. Yes. Okay. And then you started the ins- the uh, interior design and real estate. Are those two separate functions? I know what interior yeah. is. No, they're the same. How does that wrap together? So I take on clients that want me to help them find a property and then also come in and do the remodel work and decorating for them. And they will sign you up for those three functions when they meet you looking for yes. yes. Incredible. I did not know that kind of real estate business existed. Yep. So then you so we have them in and start re- redecorating their home. Yeah. Yep. Um, and then I also offer services to people who want to list. We come in and we'll do all the construction and design work and then list the property for them as well. Okay. So and who's the so there's that portion. Who's My fiance. That? I see. And was he doing it before you came into it or you started together? He's been in construction his whole life. So mm-hmm. that's what he does. Um, but he helps me on my projects that I bring him into. I see. And then does he do something else in construction outside of your? Yes. Yes. Okay, so yes. Busy family. So we oh, are. Do you have any children? Not yet. I, I thought <laughs> yes. you were going to tell me you had seven. <laughs> no, no, not yet. Part of something or maybe two per year or something. <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, so how does the uh, luxury furniture line walk in? You realized you needed furniture. You didn't want to go out to the store and get it, so you decided to make it. Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, and I have a lot of I have a lot of ideas in my head. I've been in art most of my life. I went to private art schools as a kid, so there's a really big part of me that loves to design and create mm-hmm. and to come up with unique options for my clients. Um, and I work with people who are anywhere from young couples to divorced, you know, women and men to people who are widowed or even people who are elderly and moving into retirement homes and helping them come up with different solutions and design elements, you know, throughout those different processes in life. It's so Um, personal. Each of these things are so responsive to individual needs. It must be intensely exhausting no matter how creative you are, you must run your, your water dry a lot because you have to pour yourself into those individual circumstances. Mm-hmm. And it's so dependent on an interpersonal relationship, a good relationship with the individual. How many hours a week do you work? I'm starting to cut back. <laughs> what, from 80 to 79? <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, I love what I do and I would work every single day from morning till morning if I could. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm, you know, the transition of wanting to start a family um, and just trying to get time back for myself mm-hmm. has really spurred to be like, what needs to be rearranged? What needs to be cut out? What is it that, you know, I need to transition and pivot to move forward into the next phase of my personal life, but also my business life as well. And how do I marry those two? So that's kind of where I'm at right now. Um, And then the other company that I co-own, I'm slowly, like I have been slowly being able to take some steps back because we really put into place this year, hiring a few new individuals to help take over, you know, some other responsibilities. So I don't need to you know, be as estate, much in the forefront. The design real estate piece, right? With your fans? No, Oops. who is no. That? We, we, my fiance and I co-own an insulation company as well. Ah, I see. And so then- we we purchased this company two years ago. Okay, I've never met anyone who could 
run and develop and build more than two businesses. And even the person who does two is a very unusual individual. But that you have the insulation company, the real estate, the design, the luxury furniture line, and you're thinking about children's books and beyond all of those, which are tremendous pieces, you're thinking of starting a family. When you start a family, it's going to dwarf everything else you're doing. It's so emotionally engaging and exhausting, all right? Um, surely you must be at a point now where you're pausing beyond just let me think. What I would do if I were you pausing right now is you have this whole menu. If somebody came down and said, you can only do one thing, one thing, including having the family and each of these businesses, which one would you choose? Really, which one would you choose? My interior design. And why? But I want to keep my furniture with my interior design. Well, those are related. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I think developing a furniture line is not a small piece of business. It's exhausting. No, it's, it's like giving birth. Whereas with the design field, you could dip in other people's family and take their stuff out. Must you do your own furniture line now? Yes. Yes. Because you just feel like you have to. Yes. It's been a dream of mine for over 10 years. Oh. And then why are you doing it now? Because it seems like you took a lot of roads getting here. Um, you know, about a year ago, it was put on my heart. And I'm a very big believer about what is put on me. It mm -hmm. is for me to do. Um, and it was just, I woke up and it's, it's time. It's time. So I have spent all last year um, interviewing and visiting manufacturers, working on all of my sketches, sourcing material and fabrics um, and figuring out, you know, where exactly how and when I'm going to start selling it and all of those pieces. So I spent all of last year, which we still have a few more bits to do before we can start the launch process of it. Um, but I spent about five months just on um, the logo and branding itself, even though I've always known essentially what I wanted, but I had to solidify and refine it because it is going to be a luxury line. Uh -huh. So I've put, you know, I, I'm trying not to actually rush the furniture line. I am a very dive in head first, go uh, all out. Yes, I've noticed, <laughs> yeah. Um, but my furniture line, I've actually, I've been, I have purposely paced myself. I originally wanted to launch it in the fall of 2021, mm -hmm. but I had to pretty much have a talk with myself and say, it's okay. If it ends up taking two full years to truly get every little detail that needs to be taken care of before it launches, it's okay. Okay. Let me ask um, you this. You came to a point or a realization where you said it's time. That was six, eight months ago. Have you ever reached that realization on the other businesses you previously had where you felt like it's time? Or is this the first time where you felt that drumbeat in your heart saying it's time? Um, Have you been here It before? has been silenced a little bit just because of life circumstances and um, with my partner, um, as I have helped with quite a bit of things. Mm -hmm. um, you know, is my part in what we are creating in the life for ourselves. I didn't want to stop when my first initial was like, you need to stop. This is needs to be now cut the cords. They can take care of it. Um, 
but it's talking about the other businesses other than the design. Yeah. But have you yeah. ever had that gut feeling on those other businesses when you started them that it's time to do this and this is my baby? Like that realization, like this urgency to do the other businesses? Or is this the very first time you feel only like the that? interior design, the interior ah. design portion primarily? Um, that was one. I mean, that's something I've actually I've wanted to be a designer my entire life. Mm -hmm. I've just was always told it's not a real real job. You're not going to be able to make money doing it. How are you going to support your kids? How are you going to have health insurance? <laughs> you know, the list goes on. Yeah. Um, and I have a suggestion, if I may. Mm -hmm. um, it's not a question or listening very closely to what you're saying. Uh, you obviously have a lot of conviction about the furniture line, the design business. I like it because they go together. Of course, uh, they're better matched than some of those other businesses. Right. Mm -hmm. um, but you have a lot of strings out there, a lot of leftover pieces from other things. Um, how do you just cut those off? How do you get rid of them? Because without cutting it off clean, I don't believe mm -hmm. you'll succeed at this new business. And, and yeah. I felt that, and I heard that stress in your voice. It's like, ah, like you're in a, lost in a maze, ah, you know? But to yeah. do anything well, anything well, it takes hyper-focus. Mm -hmm. How do you allow the room to enable you to hyper-focus on this baby? Because the other ones you're over. How do you get rid of them? Can you just close up shop and all that stuff? Is there any no. sticky stuff? Why, what's sticking in the way? <laughs> um, well, well, I guess that like the real estate I could technically, I mean, I could stop altogether. That's not something tied, but it is a service I offer to a portion of my clients. You could so that's the hard that. part. Uh, you, mm -hmm. could, you could just put them on notice. You don't do the real estate anymore and refer them to a great broker. That's yeah. okay. If you're willing to let it go. How about the insulation company? That's the tricky part. I mean, there's some bits I still like. I am co-owner of it. And Doesn't I, mean anything It's whether it's there are parts hard. of, mm. yeah. Is there's just some family things where I'm more tied into that. I think um, when you're a super creative individual, which you are, you're blessed with those gifts to be able to create, right? Unusual gift. One in 10 people have it, if even. It's a true gift, but it comes with a hook in my experience. It comes with the hook of uh, not being good at endings. To get the same... Uh, two gifts from one individual, I find it's generally not the case. Do you have a bad guy that can cut up at the past for you so that you can focus on the future? <laughs> it's hard Maybe. to be both people. Yeah. I would actually sit down and draw a picture of your future with this new business that you're birthing that you love with a timeline of where you want to be whenever. And then just promise yourself you're going to move everything else out of the way. And I say this for your mental health, your emotional health, mm -hmm. and just on a pure business view of it, you'll never succeed with a lot of crap in your way. It doesn't work out. I've been there where it's spread thin and I'm very capable. Yeah. I've never yeah. seen anybody do it, but you don't have the natural ability to cut the ends. So either develop that natural ability or find somebody else to do it. Because we'll get in the way and it would, what a shame it would be to get in the way of what you do well, which is yeah. earth and create, you know? Yeah. I, I heard a lady when you called in, I said, we've got to call this lady. She's under such stress. I saw a lady in a maze, not knowing how to cut through the hedges. Yeah. You know? Oh, but boy, that's how, how I feel. Yeah. And it's not healthy. 
And no. you more importantly, you'll never reach your dream. You got hedges in the way you, you don't reach your dream. You got to have a clear road. Woof, that's my road. Get out of my way. Hey, hey, buddy, that's my road. Get out of my way. Yeah. So write it down what your deadlines are and how you're going to get rid of that crap or give up on your dream because you won't get there without it. I hate to tell you. I hate to tell you yeah. like this, but it's the truth. My gut knows it. <laughs> oh, your gut's the most important part. Just wrap your head around it. You can close the doors, pull out the phone lines, and it's over. It's totally yeah. in your control. You don't have to have a perfect ending. You just have to have an ending. So good luck with the endings. You don't need the help on the Thank creative. It's Barbara. Just call her. It's Barbara. Hello, this is Barbara. Hey, Barbara. Um, I am calling with a question. I think that I'm in danger of being let go from my job. Um, right after I was hired, my boss was hired, um, and the role is not turning out to be what I thought it was going to be. I'm left out of key meetings. I'm left out of lunches, and I'm also not receiving important documents that are crucial to my job. So my question is, should I confront the person acting as my boss currently and ask him why these things are happening? Or should I just lay low and wait it out and try to jump ship as soon as possible? Thank you so much for all the advice you give on your podcast. Nice to meet you, Ashley. It's so nice to meet you too, Barbara. Thank you so much for listening to my voicemail and chatting with me today. Oh, you're so succinct and so clear. It must be uh, not much fun going to work in the morning. I would think. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of a sticky situation right now. Yeah. And they're probably rolling out that big, long welcome mat the minute you get out of your car and say, come on in, Ashley. We can't, <laughs> you, right? You get that warm and fuzzy feeling? I wish. <laughs> well, there's no reason you shouldn't be getting it, right? Um, you know, uh, I have found very often I've been fired from a lot of jobs. I've lost jobs. I've gotten jobs. And I usually have concluded, looking back, that generally what I saw as personal was not, it was larger than me, you know? Um, I think the idea of you saying, uh, should you confront your boss most definitely? But I wouldn't think of it as a confrontation. I would think of it as make an appointment with the boss, ask him what's going on. You know, okay. confronting implies that something's going wrong and it's against you. So it puts you in like a little different headspace when you're going in there. So what I would do if I were in your position, it's always easy to tell the next guy what to do, right? Is I would ask my boss, will you have time later in the week? I need about 20 minutes of your time to discuss my job. One uh, would be good for you. You don't want to hit him broadside. Can we discuss this? No, no boss likes to be cornered. It's like a cat in the corner, right? But just make an appointment. If he says, I'm not sure, I'll say, okay, I'll check in with you on Thursday. I'll check in with you at the end of the week. If you check in again, they go, I don't know. I'm so busy. I say, well, when would be good for you? That's a confrontation worthy because when would be good for you? All you're asking for is an appointment and you work there. Assuming he sits down with you, uh, the questions don't have to be manipulated or practiced uh, because you're polite by nature. I can hear that. You're kind by nature. Uh, you're not going to attack anyone. The question is simply, hey, could you give me an idea of what's going on? As you know, I started working for Joe Schmo, who's no longer here, whatever that guy's name is. Now I'm working for you. I'm not really sure what's going on, but my sense is that I don't feel as included as I expected. And I'd like to be more included in and really uh, know what's going on. Well, what do you mean what, what's going on? 
Well, for example, and then you cited a few things, I'm not including the meetings, da, 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 which was different than I had envisioned to be based on the interview I had. And I'm wondering if that might change. That's it. I'm wondering if that might change. Not like, when are you going to change it? When are you going to let me in? You know, right. I wonder when that might change. I could also say to you, Ashley, you have a very quiet, soft, lovely manner about you, which is an asset. So what you would interpret as being uh, aggressive is going to come across as far less aggressive because of your delivery style. It's so kind. So you could actually even get away with walking in there and say, I'd really want to know what's going on. And you know how it's going to sound on the other side on your voice versus mine? I'd really like to know what's going on. (laughs) (laughs) So you don't have to feel like you have to hold yourself back. Just think of it as a truth gathering uh, escapade. Uh, You just want to know what the facts are. Don't respond to them. Say, thank you very much. And then go off and size it up as to whether it fits you. I think beyond the boss who can make a job miserable or delightful, could have you back or not have you back, can include you and build you or lock you out. There's all those options in between. There are other variables in a job. If you have a bad boss, I don't think you'll ever be happy. That's my opinion. I never enjoyed a job where I had a bad boss ever. Okay. But who do you work with? Do you like the people you work with? Do you like what you actually do in the job function? Are you enjoying it? Can you get ahead in this particular business? Could you see promotions for yourself down the road? Is that something you want? I think you have to look at the larger context of the job, how it fits you. But I don't think you can get there to have a thoughtful conversation with yourself until you move this bad boss, maybe meaningfully bad, or maybe meaning to be bad, or maybe not meaning to be bad, but get clarity on that. So you can put that to the side and say, hey, do I want this job? So far as finding a new job, if you find it doesn't fit you well, you look beautiful, you speak beautifully. I'm sure you're extremely loyal by nature. You're just a lovely individual. And there's a great job market out there. The idea that you would stay with a job that you're not in love with at this point in the economy, what's going on, you would have to be out of your mind. So then get yourself off your butt and go out and promise yourself five interviews within the next month. Within those five interviews, you will have a job you love if you decide to leave. But first take the one obstacle, the non-communicative boss situation, and see if you clear that up. And then you can judge the balance. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And I was really struggling with how to navigate that uh, conversation. Um, So thank you for giving me some tools there. Mm -hmm. One other thing I wanna say, I have worked my entire life. uh, I think I only had two female bosses, but everyone else, 24 male bosses. Um, There is something when you're asking a boss who's a guy uh, for something you want, women tend to get softer. I have witnessed that. I witnessed it myself. I've witnessed the people I've hired over the years that get softer with a male boss. Pretend you're a man. Say, what would a man do? A guy wouldn't walk in there and say, gee, would you think? A guy would say, hey, can you give it to me straight? What's going on? I need to know. So if you get your headset, like I'm a guy, I got through a lot of meetings and got accomplishing a lot of things because I pretended I was a man and I'm not. I'm a very female, female, but it helped me. I'm like, what would a guy do? Yeah, they would just tell it like it is. Guys do that. Uh, So you don't have to be the sweet person, the female that you are when you go in there. But just ask for the truth. That's all it is. Truth. That's all you want. Truth. In the American way. (laughs) I love it. 
Good luck. Let me know how you do. I'm in the Thank seat. Thank you so much. I'm in that seat next to you, holding your hand, cheering on. And that's all we have time for today. If you have a question, leave me a voicemail on the Business Unusual Hotline, 888-BARBARA. That's 888-B-A-R-B-A-R-A. You can also tweet it to me at Barbara Corcoran, and I may just answer it on a future episode. You've been listening to Business Unusual with me, Barbara Corcoran. Come back next week to hear more steps and missteps I took on the path to success. Search and follow Business Unusual on iHeartRadio or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts.